Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Don't let his bark fool you. Roy has a softer side, too. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. They are usually with us on Saturdays for Beauties and the Beast, Catherine Swift, Linda Leatherdale, Michelle Simpson. They'll be with us in the next hour. We're going to talk about sexual harassment. They all experience sexual harassment, as they've explained in the, uh, to us previously, in their youth in the business environment. And at that time, I think Catherine said, if you complained about it, people said, just the way it is. Not any longer. So we'll talk to Catherine, Linda, and Michelle, and we'll take your calls on the issue of sexual harassment. Louis C.K. Um, accused, and I don't know whether he issued a, 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 a sort of half-hearted apology or explanation. I'm not sure what that was that he issued. So that's coming up in the next hour. Scott Newark is with us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network, and Scott is going to be explaining what's going on federally as 11 senators and members of parliament swore a secrecy oath and gained wide access to material from Canada's national security agencies. It's called the National Security and Intelligence Committee of Parliamentarians. Scott Newark, former Alberta prosecutor, security advisor to the governments of Ontario and Canada, now a security and justice policy analyst and adjunct professor at Simon Fraser University. Scott, is this the first time that non-cabinet members will have the power to review national security agencies? And then the second question... What is it they'll see? Is it restricted um, to domestic information? Um, this is the first time that a committee of uh, members of parliament and uh, of the Senate will actually have a specific mandate to do this. And the mandate is broader than what it would normally be for a committee. So, yes, they will have access to information that otherwise members of parliament and of the senate would not have there are some restrictions potentially that's there we're going to have to see how that plays out but what's really important about this roy is that this is uh... finally something that has happened people have been recommending creating this kind of a you know legis- legislative branch of government uh, uh... oversight review committee authority uh... for a decade and more and it was specifically recommended to the harper government who rejected it and this was one of the things that uh, Justin Trudeau had said that he would put into place, and they recently passed a bill, C-22, to do it. Uh, and just uh, last Monday, they actually named the 11 people that uh, you've mentioned. So ever the optimist, I actually think this is a potentially really positive development uh, because it reflects a, a capability uh, to actually ask the right questions and to get the right answers and to, uh, to make some uh, recommendations. Now, it's entirely fair to point out that there are, you know, uh, potential restrictions where the ministers can say, I'm not going to release that information or anything else. 
Um, as I say, ever the optimist, let's see how this thing plays out. But I think it's a potentially really significant and positive development. So what are they, I mean, what are their powers? What are they, what are, what are they empowered to do? If they, they see information, the what, what can they do with it? Uh, anybody they want to come before them, and it'll be in-camera uh, examination. They're given a special uh, support uh, staff, and in a, which hasn't been named yet. You know, to do the kind of substantive research. Think of it. Think of it this way, Roy. This is what 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 co- really caught my attention as well, too. Over the years, you and I have discussed so many different cases, and you know that have caught public attention about something. But we've always what we've always tried to do, though, is ask the right questions to find out what actually happened and or what didn't happen, and why not, and then to try to. And we've always tried to do this, and so does this committee have this power actually to make recommendations to improve things. Now, how do you That's avoid important. it becoming how do you avoid it becoming partisan political? Well, that will be uh, one of the challenges and we're going to have to wait to see how that unfolds. Uh, it'll depend on the individuals that are there. There's some interesting people named at the committee um, on uh, both sides of the uh, uh, of the aisle. There's a former um, member of the Security Intelligence Review Committee former Ontario minister, uh, uh, Ontario, uh, sorry, former senior RCMP and Ottawa police chief, uh, Vern White, Gord Brown, who's the MP, full disclosure, he's a friend of mine who I did work for years ago. He, Gord, was on the National Security Committee and reviewed the original anti-terrorism legislation. Very determined guy to ask questions. Uh, There's a a former staffer for CERC who's on there, who's now an MP. There's a former Amnesty International uh, representative. And David McGinty's the chairman. Yeah, David McGinty's the chairman, who's a lawyer, who's got international uh, experience as well, too. I mean, in all fairness, we're going to have to wait to see how that plays out. But I've had some experience in this kind of a model, and this can produce really significant positive results. Okay, so now the committee will have some level of oversight. But what oversight does the committee have? In other words, how much of what they will see, how much of what they will uh, be investigating will become public knowledge? Well, the, that's one of the uh, interesting things about the, uh, the mandate that it's been given, because they're required to file reports with Parliament. They're allowed to, you know, initiate their own investigations. Mm-hmm. They can initiate uh, investigations to matters referred to them by the minister. But any of the reports that they submit to Parliament must be submitted first to the prime minister. Okay, and that certainly has raised some eyebrows about, you know, why exactly that is. Mm-hmm. And ministers are entitled to withhold information if they think it would compromise national security. And doesn't the PMO also have power to redact what the committee yes. sees? Yes, that, at least in the legislation. Now, again, we haven't seen how that has played out yet. Right. And just because that kind of a restriction is there doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be used. And the fact that, you know, this committee has that potential, and that's been my experience as well, too, is that once people are in the position where they're able to ask the right questions, you know, and get the right answers and make positive recommendations, my sense is, or my experiences as well, too, is that that public interest tends to prevail over the partisan interest. And I, I admit that I'm being optimistic in saying that, but that has actually been my experience. So what are the issues they might be looking at out of the gate? Would we be looking yeah. at the Canada-U.S. border yeah. Uh, yeah. matters? What, what, what are the sorts of things that you expect this committee well, to I get their noses into right away, Scott? I wrote a paper on that for uh, Frontline Security a while ago, and I just made a bunch of suggestions. And uh, you've identified, one, the Canada-U.S. border security issues. 
you know, looking, for example, at the Safe Third Country Agreement. Why haven't we decided to uh, amend it to get rid of the exceptions that are allowing these illegal entries? Why is CBSA denied operational responsibility for between uh, port of entry enforcement? There's a whole bunch of different uh, uh, issues. And uh, I, I, let me just summarize it this way. I, what I would recommend to them, and what I did, is to look at those, um, uh, to do it in, in two ways. One is the actual larger issues, like the, the border stuff that we're talking about, or maybe whether Canada needs to, for example, develop a better strategy for dealing with Canadians uh, detained abroad on terrorism cases other than issuing apologies and cutting them checks. But they should also look at, and this is something... Again, I had experience with this uh, in my days with the Ontario government with the Canadian Police Association. You look at individual cases, okay, and see what happened or what didn't happen in an individual case, and you got the right people in front of you to ask, well, why didn't this happen? And you can, you can get insights from that, both uh, whether legal changes are needed or policy changes or operational changes. Yeah. It's a really good way I, I have found in my career in effect, to determine what's wrong and make substantive recommendations and also to empower the people who are trying Scott, to... Scott, is, is there a period of time that would be logical to assume we'll be able to assess whether or not this committee is doing what it's supposed to be doing? Yeah, probably within, uh, within a year when it's uh, doing its reports, and we'll see. Uh, we won't probably know what specific issues are being investigated by it. Yeah. Uh, take a look as well. So they're not just going to—they're not just going to disappear and be—they're not just going to disappear and be another expensive little exclusive body. I certainly hope not. Uh, but in a year from now, I think we will be able to. Uh, and you, you know, you may never know. And you've seen this as well too. In, even in the stuff that we do, Roy, mm. uh, a change may occur, uh, and it doesn't necessarily—it's not necessarily identified that it came. You know, the source that it came from. Mm. We used to call it leaving no fingerprints. I don't care whether you get the credit or not, as long as the right thing gets done. Right. Right. Well, I will keep an eye on it. Scott, thank you very much for the time. All right, Thanks well. for the explanation. Appreciate that. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I would have liked to have seen uh, some people who are not necessarily in government on that committee, but it is what it is, and we'll have an opportunity to find out whether they're just going to become some secretive, expensive group of MPs and senators or whether there's actually going to be something of value that we'll gain from this new committee. It sounds like it has potential. When we come back, we're going to be speaking with Bishop Council Ned II. He'll join us from Pennsylvania. Bishop Council Ned is considering, or may already have made up his mind, that he's going to take a firearm to the altar because of the church shootings and the assaults in churches. We'll talk to him about that in just a minute.